Hi, and welcome to How to Go Freelance, a guide for the terrified. My name's Ben Kappa, and I'm a marketing consultant, and I've just set up my own freelance marketing company called Grey Fox Communications and Marketing Limited. I'm coming to the end of my first month, and it's been an amazing few weeks. I've been really busy, and I've really enjoyed it. It's definitely been a big mix of excitement, fear, and a lot of learning. And I've taken that learning from all the people that you're going to hear from in this podcast. These are people that have all made the leap from being an in-house communicator to being freelance or running their own consultancy. They've all been successful in doing it. Some of them have been doing it for a short period of time. Some of them have been doing it for quite a while. But what joins them all is that they've all got fantastic insight and they're all great people. I've worked with some of them personally, but even if I haven't worked with them personally, I've got to know them really well over the last sort of couple of years. And the thing that's been holding me back over the past 10 years or so to be going freelance is the fear of it. Hence this podcast and hence the first part of this episode, which is asking people how they got over the fear and how they used it positively to be successful. And the first person I spoke to was Darren Caveney of Comms 2.0 and a really successful communications consultant with Creative Communicators Limited. How did he get over the fear? I think it's completely natural and normal, isn't it, to, to have that bit of self-doubt. Uh, we all have that, you know, we all have it, you know, however old you are, however experienced you are. But I, I think I think for me, it's, it's knowing that I've done the job for 20 years and I have managed teams large and small. I've been a one-man band. I've managed teams of 25. You know, in over 20 years, you know, you've done some good things. You've made some mistakes. You've learned some lessons. So I think it is just saying, you know what, I can do this, and just being confident, just going for it, and having that ambition and and self-belief. In quiet moments, we all have a little bit of self-doubt, and I think that's natural, uh, and I think that's positive, and it actually keeps you keeps you kind of on your toes as well. So having the experience, having the knowledge, having the know-how is really, really essential in terms of having that confidence to strike out on your own. But I suppose however well you prepare, however experienced you are, however much detail you go into, into your preparations, there's always going to be an element of a shot in the dark when you're leaving a secure job to go freelance. That's something that I spoke to Richard Forshaw-Smith about, and Rich runs uh, RFS Marketing, and we used to work together and this is something that he experienced when he went on his own. I think ultimately, there's, there's always a bit of a leap of faith. Um, it wasn't really about having absolute certainty that everything was going to be okay. It was just about actually going for it. And actually having more certainty that if it didn't work, I could get something else and that would be okay. If that makes sense. So if, where there's uncertainty about what you're setting up, it's actually just go for the certainty that it doesn't matter because you can just get a job. Certainty is something you become very used to when you're working in-house and uncertainty is a just an inherent part of the job being a freelancer or being a consultant. But that can have its benefits as well and sometimes especially in these times where there is a lot of uncertainty especially in the public and third sector you find yourself choosing between two different types of uncertainty and that's definitely something that Dan Slee talked to me about. Now, Dan, you probably know, is also part of Comms 2.0 and runs Comms Camp and all stuff like that, and is very, very well known in the public sector comms industry. 
Dan talked to me a bit about what was behind his decision to go freelance, and those words, certainty and uncertainty, featured quite prominently. Do I want to have, um, we'll, we'll stay where I was in local government and have um, uncertainty with no control, or do I kind of make the leap and have uncertainty with some control? I thought, well, that actually sounds more interesting um, than, than staying where I am. There's, you're quite right to identify fear, Ben, because I think fear is part of the, the heady cocktail of excitement in its broadest uh, sense. You, if you're not feeling some degree of fear, then you're very stupid and you've, pro- and you've probably done the wrong thing. And that sort of stays with you. And fear can be a really good motivator in, you know, for you to get the engine up and running and, and, and flying around. So the uncertainty is just always going to be there. There's nothing you can do about it. It becomes your reality. But with the uncertainty comes potentially a lot of fun. It comes potentially pretty good earning potential as well. But at some point, you will make that leap and you will have day one and you will feel a certain way. Hopefully, you'll be feeling excited. You're definitely going to be feeling a bit nervous. You're definitely also going to be feeling a little bit scared by it. But it's all about preparing and it's all about making sure that you've done the groundwork so that on day one you're feeling in a pretty good place. I spoke to Kate Vogelsang of Birdsong Consultancy recently at Comms Camp in Birmingham and she told me a little bit about what it was like for her on day one of starting a new business. Day one wasn't scary at all so I went out on my own two years three months ago and it was a combination of things things happened to me I didn't make a conscious decision I got married to a northerner we relocated I took redundancy and there just seemed to be too many opportunities for me not to do it so it wasn't scary at all because I got work before I even started my business up because uh, I, I was already networked well enough in London somebody was talking to me about a hack event they wanted to be running at their organisation I've run lots of hacks before I love creative activity and innovation and I said well how about I run it for you so that was my first client before I'd even left the local authority that I worked for so it wasn't scary the push was just oppor- like I say it was opportunities I was moving to the northeast married a northerner got out of London and I just thought why not and here I am two years later and I'm not starving yet and as much as we all want to do a little bit better than just not starving Kate brings up something really important there which is you are moving from this area of having the cushion of knowing that on the 20th or the 29th or the whatever it is of the month money is there for you to go out and you know feed your family pay the mortgage and stuff um that isn't really going to be there anymore but you know that is all what it's all about it's about making income in, in a different way and it's about sort of charging for your time But that first week can be quite scary if you don't have things in place. And uh, what is really, really worth doing is taking some time in your last couple of weeks before you leave your job to make sure your first week is pretty busy. Now, Rebecca Roberts runs Thread and Fable Consultancy. Uh, She's had quite a long time sort of working in-house in the public sector as well. And she talked to me about what her first week was like. Yeah, the first day was pretty good. I, I literally had a client meeting on the first day. And um, I sort of set out lots of meetings and things in my diary, so I felt like I had a bit of a plan. And that sounds brilliant, doesn't it? Wouldn't it be amazing for us all to finish our jobs and have a list of clients already lined up? Well, that is actually what most of the people on this podcast and 
most people you'll speak to have actually managed to make happen before they left their jobs. And I'm really fortunate that I was in that position too, albeit only for a couple of a couple of small pieces of work. But where does that work even come from? Um, how do you actually get work on week one, starting completely from scratch? Well, in pretty much everybody's case, and certainly my case, it came through having a good network and people that you are able to sort of turn to and speak to. Um, and that is advice that I have really, really valued. And it's also a piece of advice that Bridget Ahern, who is a multi-award winning communicator and is an interim manager in a number of public sector organisations, that's a piece of advice that she's really valued too. It's been absolutely vital. I cannot stress how much people are right in giving you that advice. Uh, there are people from uh, previous jobs. So I always, uh, I, th there's a few things that guide me in, uh, in life and in work. And I believe in treating people how you want to be treated. Uh, every stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. And really looking after people and not expecting anything back from them. Because actually, by giving, you often get. And I give to the network quite uh, openly. I'll take part in research if people ask me to. And I very rarely say no to anything on the professional network, uh, the, the personal stuff that you do outside of the day job. And I think it, it, reaps, it, it does reap rewards because people will throw your name in for paid stuff then and also they will just help you when it feels tough and you can't see a route through a particular problem. Here's Dan Slee again on the importance of having a good network. I think it's really 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 important. I, I, I shudder to think um, what I would be doing without a network of people. Um, I think the only way around that is, is to spend loads and loads of money on search engine optimization and marketing and advertising and mail shots and, and all those sorts of things. And um, I, I never had that kind of uh, money. And I always thought that, again, this goes back to this, if you're doing good stuff, then then give some of it away for free and good things follow as a result of it. So, so I've, I've always kind of thought, whatever I'm doing, whether it's video skills or something else, that there's some stuff I can give away to people. And... Um, I've, I've I've no problem with that at all. I'd, I'd I'd rather some people read some stuff and do some good stuff as a result of it because enough people go. Do you know what that was? That was really quite useful. Um, yeah, I don't mind going along to that workshop or, or that thing or, or get down in to do something um, because he clearly knows what he's talking about. So having a good network is really really essential and very much the cornerstone of any successful budding freelance career. But with having a good network comes that dreaded word, networking. And if you're anything like me, the idea of going to 7am business breakfast and handing out your business card and giving everybody the big sale doesn't come very naturally and is sort of slightly cringeworthy. Um, but the good news is that there is more than one way of networking. Um, when I spoke to Kate, as I mentioned before, we were at comms camp in Birmingham. And that is another excellent way of doing things, turning up to things and just getting to know people and contributing. Here's Kate's take on that. I've done everything when it comes to networking. You name it, I've done it. I've done small businesses, conference, small business meetings, conferences, BNI. Don't do it. Um, I've done everything apart from playing golf. And what I found is it's about the quality, not the quantity. What I love doing is meeting people not with the aim of pitching and trying to get work. 
I love talking to people, finding out what they're working on, talking about what I'm working on, or just talking about the football, or uh, what to do in Birmingham, or what they're best, uh, things that aren't necessarily about work. So actually having really good relationships. And the way I think it's worked for me is I like working as an associate or with other businesses as part of their work. So I'm doing a lot of work with a large university at the moment, with another business who I work very closely with, who I met through networking, and that's great. And you get to do different things, but I think, like I say, it's quality, not quantity. Comms camp is fantastic because you get to meet a lot of people and you get to have proper conversations with them rather than pitching for work. And that's the thing that I struggle with. I don't like pitching. I like meeting people because people are interesting. So thankfully, there are other ways of networking than the traditional ways that you might think of, uh, which is fantastic news if you're like me and you really hate those kind of situations. And it's also great news for the likes of Rebecca Roberts, who also talked to me about how uncomfortable she found those situations. I'm quite extrovert, but I'm also, I find kind of those social situations really awkward. Like when you're there and you're like, hi, I feel like I should talk to you and that kind of thing. And I think when you've got your own business, you feel like really like, oh, should probably give a business card out and I just I find that quite awkward so I think kind of work on that like I just I'm a bit it's funny because some of those um, contracts take time like some of the ones I've got like man I've been speaking to one person for about a year and just keeping in touch with them now and again and I was having a coffee with them and just sort of having a talk about different things totally not expecting any work to come from it and then at the end of the conversation I said right so we've got this thing we want you to put in for so those connections can lead to other connections, which can lead to opportunities, which can lead to briefs, which can lead to winning work, which can lead to you being able to pay the bills, which is absolutely amazing. Um, and that is a recurring theme from a lot of what people have been speaking to me about in terms of the vast majority of your work will come from recommendations and will come from your network. Darren talked to me about where most of his work comes from. 95% of it comes from the public sector, of which most of most of that comes from people I have met at events or I have met online or connected with on LinkedIn or they don't tend to be kind of random, very left field, you know, cold calls. They don't but um, so most of it comes from referrals or people that have said, Oh, you did a bit of work for somebody I know at X organisation, could you come and do it for us? So relationships is what it's all about. Having people that know you, that trust you and will vouch for you before you leave your job and jump into the world of freelancing is essential. The final person I spoke to who you're going to hear from now is uh, Dave Thackeray. Now, Dave is has been a freelancer for about 10 years, and we met in a quite a noisy cafe in Liverpool, so you're just going to have to excuse the sound quality on this one. Um, but Dave reflected on this one as well and said that relationships are the most important thing in his world. The one thing that's been more important to me as a freelancer is anything else is maintaining good relationships, making sure that people have got your back as well and they can refer you, recommend it to other people. It's, it's, it's incredible, the power of relationships. And as a final word, Dave also had some excellent words of wisdom for anybody considering going freelance. I, I think when it comes to freelancing, and it might be a little bit belated for people that you talk to now because they might already be freelancing. I mean, I heard um, there's a great pal of mine called Chris Brogan who works out in the US and he's a business consultant for what it's worth. But he always said, never leave your job until you've got some kind of stability ahead of you. I think to a degree that's true. I think you can jump, 
but I think you've got to be fairly assured that you've got some really good connections out there who can help you out by pointing in the right direction, helping you with the confidence in your skills. So I'd either use some kind of ballast in terms of financial support or whether you've got a job and you want to do some freelance work on the side, make sure with your boss that's all right first. I've had a few people who've been burnt with that. Take the chance, do it differently, be yourself, have the confidence that you can do it because you can do it, but always have a plan. It can be as free thinking as you like, but always know that you've got somewhere you want to get to and freelancing will get you there, but stick to it if you haven't got the money behind you or you just want to get out because that plan will get you through. So what have we learned? Have a plan. Have a bit of financial stability behind you if you possibly can before you start. Cultivate your relationships and understand what you're good at and understand what you can do for people and where you add value. And that's something we're going to explore in the next episode, which is all about defining what you do and defining your offer and how to talk about yourself. And that's the end of the first episode. I want to say a huge thanks to Dave, Rebecca, Darren, Richard, Dan, Kate and Bridget for taking part. And I'm going to put a link to all their online profiles and websites on the episode description in the podcast store. And if you'd like to help me spread the word about this podcast to other freelancers or other people that are thinking about becoming freelance, please leave me a review and to help reach more people. So thanks a lot for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.